Research has shown that small interactions between students during small group learning environments can help the overall achievement of that group. But then do those small group interactions help the collective whole classroom level of interaction? It's not something recognized as having previously been investigated. We talked to Josh Primo, a graduate student in the biological sciences, who is working collaboratively with one of the College of Education's science education faculty to determine if, in fact, small group interdependency during learning can be used to leverage increased behavioral engagement at the whole class level. Education Eclipse starts now. Education, news, and research. These are the conversations happening inside education, athletic training, sports science, and sport management that are going to transform each. It's Education Eclipse from Washington State University. Back here on Education Eclipse, I'm joined by Josh Primo. Primo Research. <laughs> Thanks for the courtesy laugh. Using learning interdependence to promote collective behavioral engagement. Way over my head. Josh, uh, give it to me in a nutshell. So essentially what I was interested with this project is can we use student experiences in social groups to promote students working together at a whole class level without having to have a teacher in there um, prompting them for responses and work together? Now, this sounds very similar to some of Andy Cavanetto's like argument-based inquiry. Am I on the right path or not? I just throw that out there because Andy Cavanetto is the professor you're working with on this. Yes. <laughs> so it's it's um, it's a supportive study. So one of the problems they they repeatedly come across when they're trying to get students to engage in argument-based inquiry is that students don't want to interact. They are interact at small group levels very well but then you open it up to get them to engage with one, one another as a larger group of, let's say, 20 to 25 students, and they're resistant to that. They feel uncomfortable with it, and they don't want to engage in those practices. Yeah, it's, it's a little scarier. They're a little more shy in that situation. I completely agree, yeah. So then the question was, um, can we structure social experience prior to that that makes them more likely to want to engage in those types of interactions? So give me a real-world example. Let's just say uh, little Kate is in her second grade class. Just connect the dots for me. Okay, sounds good. So let's say little Kate um, is given a reading that she has to read. The teacher gives it out to everybody in the classroom. They read through it, and then they answer questions on it. It's pretty common practice. And then she opens it up, and she says, okay, as a class, now we're going to talk about this. That's common practice. What we did in this study, so that was our control condition, but in this study we had two other types of conditions. The first one, little Kate and little Johnny would both read it separately. Then they would come together, they would talk about it, and then they'd have to periodically fuse their answers together. So there's dependency on one another in order to complete the task. So it's a task interdependency, really. Exactly, yeah. So that was, our one, that was one condition. We also had a second condition where in addition to having to work with one another, the students were given different readings. So that in addition to having to work with one another to complete the task, they also had different information. So that increases kind of the benefit or the likelihood of success because now you need to rely on that individual not only to complete the task, but also to get the resources that they have available, the content. Did you guys record individual students? How did you, whatever it was, how did you capture 
um, what you needed to so that you could pull data from that. Yeah. So what we did, um, and this was done in an uh, undergraduate class um, who were learning science material, is that they would um, go through and complete one of the different conditions. So they'd read everything, then they'd either work with one another, work by themselves, or work with one another and have different resources. And then after that, we would video and audio record everything they did when working together. Now specifically when I say working together, in this case, they had to work together to generate a whole class concept map, which represented their understanding of the underlying themes within the reading. And we video recorded it, we also audio recorded it, and audio recorded at each individual table to make sure we could capture as much of the conversation as possible. So then, then you were able to take that and then code the behavior. Exactly. So we generated a coding scheme which had different types of engaged behaviors, different types of disengaged behaviors, and also this passive behavior, so not doing anything. We followed every student during the first 10 minutes of all of these whole class sessions, and we coded what they were doing every 10 seconds. So here's a question that I'll, I'll ask a lot of people, um, understanding that you might not be a policy expert, but what, what are we going to do with these findings? The, what's the therefore what? How is this going to impact? So essentially at this point, there's a large amount of research that's based in the area of cooperative learning that makes the argument that interdependency is really, really important for students' effective interactions within small groups. What this is telling us, the results at least, is that we can leverage student experience within small groups to actually promote whole group interactions. Now in terms of policy, I would make the argument that teachers need to recognize that the social environment they're developing is consistent across multiple levels or hierarchies. So individual level, we're talking about cognition. Then we have like a small group interaction, and we also have large group interaction. I think that teachers need to be given more resources in understanding how the social environment can contribute to student willingness to engage in behaviors connected to greater student learning. Sounds to me like in order to improve education in this regard, we have to educate some of the teachers. Seems like that to me. All right, Josh Primo, thank you so much for explaining this research. I think this is fantastic. I can't wait to see where it goes. So thank you for joining me on Education Eclipse. And thank you for talking with me. You've been listening to Education Eclipse, a College of Education podcast from Washington State University. 